0: This episode is brought to you by my best selling book, Mastering Adversity, Unlock the Warrior Within and Turn Your Biggest Struggles into Your Greatest Gifts. You guys, a lot of people ask me, How can I support your work? You've been doing the podcast for so many years. Like, what can I, you know, what can I buy from you? I want to take things to the next level. And the answer to that is the book. If you want to support, The show and the mission at University of Adversity and the things that we're going to be doing and to continue to have, you know, this free podcast to everybody, it would really mean a lot if you would grab a copy of the book, I put my heart and soul into this book. Just writing the book itself was mastering adversity, I went to hell and back to make sure that it happened and now it's here two things that are really powerful in this book, the five A's for mastering adversity and the four adversity archetypes that I coined to help you create more self-awareness when adversity hits. This is a roadmap to transform adversity into purpose and alchemize all of the things that you've gone through into purpose and purposefully filled actions and habits. It talks about my journey and all the things, and I wrote this to help you guys when you're struggling with adversity, whether it's been in the past, whether you're going through it now or you're in the future, this book will help a lot. All right? Mastering Adversity, available on Amazon. Thank you so much, everybody. Sarah Swain is an entrepreneur powerhouse and... I'm so excited to have her on the show today. You guys are going to love this episode. I wanted to have Sarah on because I wanted to learn more about her story and how she became the powerhouse entrepreneur that she is from going from corporate to entrepreneur, being able to monetize all these different ideas, her awakening in 2021. And I wanted to really dive into her story, right? I think Sarah talks a lot about people go to her for political advice or they go to her for her opinion on the pandemic and all of that stuff and all that's important, but I wanted to talk about her story. I wanted to hear more about what led her to where she is today and today's conversation, I think, really illustrates that about her story and how she got to where she is. It's really interesting. She's a great storyteller and I think you guys are going to love this. I am also blessed to be speaking at her event, Monetize Your Mind. It's going to be this weekend in Kananaskis. I think I said that word, right? <laughs> and it's going to be all about empowering entrepreneurs, right? Because entrepreneur entrepreneurship is such a journey and It's the way of the future, right? It really is. And it's about bringing that creativity from your heart and making it real. And I just think it's been for me one of the most challenging journeys that I've ever been on, but also one of the most rewarding. It will shine a light on all your weaknesses and really humble you (laughs) in ways that only you will know. And you know, for me, I've been on this entrepreneurial journey since uh, 2016, 2017. There's been lots of ups and downs, and I'm so happy to you know be able to connect and share my journey with an audience. And Sarah's putting on an incredible event. I wanted to get this episode out sooner, but you know, with the move and everything, and My podcast guy is no longer with me and there's been a delay in an episode for two weeks. So the way it is, is it's released today. If you guys want to go to the the event, you can't, it's sold out, but if you want to watch it virtually, it's all available for you virtually. And you can watch it from the comfort of your home. You don't even need pants. Who even wears pants anyways, right? (laughs) But that's available I highly recommend doing it. There's some amazing speakers, amazing. And I'm just so honored to be included with them and to get the opportunity to do what I love to speak. You know, it's something that I'm passionate about. I want to continue to do. And I just, I love it. I love just speaking and yeah, it's going to be fun. The link is going to be below. You guys want to check it out. I highly recommend you do. I know it's this weekend and you know. It's. Uh, I would have liked to have got this out sooner, but you know that's the way it goes sometimes. So, um, yeah. What else is there? No. Let's get into this episode. It's a longer one, but very important episode. I really want to show to share share to. <laughs> I really want to share Sarah's story with you because she is making change in the world. And she's empowering people and inspiring people to want to make change. And to me, that's the most important thing. You can't change people, but you can inspire them to change. And the only way things change is if somebody takes action. And Sarah is so good at getting people to think different, get inspired, and take action. And you're going to learn about that today in this episode. If you aren't subscribed to this podcast, if you're brand new or you've been listening for a while... Do me a favor, hit the subscribe button if it's on Apple or hit that follow button on Spotify or the button on CastBox or whatever button is there. Hit that. It really helps. That's all I ask. I want to continue to bring this podcast to you guys and continue to grow it, and I can't do it alone. So enjoy this episode, and as always, let me know your feedback, and let's rock it. Sarah Swain coming right up life is going to give you challenges struggles it's going to force you to face your fears even though these may feel like your worst enemy in truth these are actually your greatest allies my name is lance icos welcome to the university of adversity sarah welcome to the podcast so grateful to have you on university of adversity finally
1: Finally, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to have you as well. Um there's so many things that we can talk about and I want to talk about. But one thing that I want to start with here is that, you know, I kind of know your story, you know, going from corporate to like badass entrepreneur and like serving so many people and doing all the things and all the crazy shit that's gone in the world. But I don't know much about young Sarah growing up I would love to kind of just kick it off there because yeah I don't know much about it and I'm kind of curious to know what it was like for you growing up like what talk us about that where did you grow up what was it like for young Sarah
1: oh I love that you're asking me this question um I grew up in northern Ontario rural northern Ontario small town called Massey most people will have no idea where that is so, when I explain it to people, I say it's somewhere between Sudbury and Sault Ste. Marie along the Trans Canada Highway. So, if anyone's ever driven across the country, you would have driven right through my hometown. Um, I was about, I don't know, eight or 10 kilometers outside the town. And then our driveway started off the road, and the driveway was about a kilometer long. So, I grew up very, very, very much in the forest and um didn't appreciate it as a kid that's for sure i'm back here now you know 30 some odd years later living in the woods again and i'm like oh i understand why my dad insisted on this way of living now as an adult but as the kid i mean i was very fortunate to have a, a really beautiful childhood i spent a lot of my time in the wilderness a lot of time in the outdoors fishing um hiking around Learned how to use firearms at the age of eight. Really? Um, Yeah. Learned how to drive snowmobiles, all-terrain vehicles. (laughs) Um, Learned how to drive stick shift when I think I was about 11 or 12 in my dad's old truck up and down the driveway. So I had an upbringing that afforded me a lot of skills that are kind of getting lost in our world today. And I have such a deep appreciation for that now more than... I ever did in my entire adult life, and so um, I was always a kid that excelled in school. I always had to be the top of my class. I always had to have the fastest time on track and field, so um, the overachiever gene was definitely something that was embedded in me at a very young age. Uh, it served me well in my adult life, but it's also definitely caused me some harm <laughs> as well as I I had to work through my adult years to figure out what my line was when I was pushing myself too hard. Um, but otherwise, I, I had a very um, just fruitful uh, childhood. I was an only child until I was almost nine, until my sister was born. So I had a lot of attention from my parents. Um, And was, yeah, just really grateful to um, be raised the way that I was with the values that uh, were instilled in me. But again, growing up into teenage years, living in the middle of nowhere, all of a sudden that wasn't cool. And I was very resentful towards my parents for raising me in the middle of nowhere where it was so hard for me to see all my friends. Um, which was a huge reason why I uh, went full tilt in the other direction, full pendulum swing, when I was 18 and um, rented a U-Haul when I graduated high school and packed up all of my worldly possessions and moved myself to the big city of Toronto, uh, where I then continued to live for about eight years. And that's where I met my husband. I mean, there's a whole other, you know, bunch of things that that kind of spun off from my life once I got to the city. Uh, but now I'm full circle back here in the middle of in the middle of nowhere again, <laughs> fully appreciating <laughs> the way that my parents chose to bring me up. So it, it's been an interesting cycle.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting how uh, we're young and we want to like rebel from that, <laughs> and just to bring us back to the just the simple life, the things that matter.
1: I know exactly, and I I have to wonder what my my parents think, and um, they're here with us where um, we live. We all live here on the property together, and they've they've said to me that. I really surprised them because I was the one that was like, no, I don't want to live in the middle of nowhere. This is terrible. Why would anyone want to live like this? And now I'm the daughter that is fully planted feet in the dirt. <laughs> and uh, my sister is now the one that's living it up in the big city of Calgary. And, and she was the one that really embraced the the rural life more than I did. So we've kind of done a 180 um, in the way that we've chosen to, you know, move through our adult years. But it's interesting. So then you got into corporate. What was that like? <laughs> my accidental corporate career is what I call it. Um, I was someone, I mean, I look back on it now and it's so obvious that I was never meant for the workforce. Except there was no one in my life that could tell me that. Um, there was no one in my life mentoring me to say, mm, you're kind of the wrong fit for this type of of, of work life. Um, so... I didn't know that entrepreneurship was an option for me. I just knew that I was a really hard worker. I have work ethic that is um, really, really intense. And it served me very well in my in my career. But it also drove me uh, into this career that I never asked for or that I never wanted. So I just kept working harder and harder. And I kept getting myself deeper and deeper into this career space that I, I never planned for in a million years. And I'll tell you how I ended up in it. <laughs> I went to university originally for business management, and I had a major in business and a minor in marketing. And that was what I was immediately drawn to when I left high school. And very quickly, without knowing it at the time, recognized that this was just teaching me how to be an employee in the world of business (laughs) and i had this like image of my of myself as a as a young teenager knowing that i was meant to have like big business but that's all it it was at the time and so i went into business (laughs) and i lasted for a semester at nipissing university i'm like this Saying it. Like, this doesn't feel right. They're teaching me debits and credits. I'm like, I don't want to know any of this stuff. I want, to, I want to know business. And I'm like, well, this must just not be the career for me. So then I went into University of Toronto into political science and journalism, which, if you've known me at all for the last couple of years, you can see how each of things, each of these things fit into what naturally started like pumping out of my space. When I stepped into my authentic self, uh, which is probably a story for later. But all this to say, I I, in and out of all these post-secondary institutions finally said, fuck it, I'm going to be a cop. (laughs) I don't want to do all of these these." overly regulated things. Like I just felt so stifled Mm. being told how to do all of these things when it didn't feel right for me. But I couldn't understand what that meant for me at the time. And so ended up graduating and policing and law enforcement. And this is where my career went really sideways on me is because I went into the world of retail as undercover security in order to obtain experience so that i would have something to stick on my application when i applied for the police force and ended up working for sears canada which we all know is no longer and i was an undercover uh security officer for years i i ended up with uh, a, a very robust career. I was managing all of the Sears locations, security teams across the greater Toronto area from wow. like Ajax all the way to Oakville. Uh, and that's how my career started to blow up because I was climbing the ranks really quickly. And all of a sudden I got a tap from, you know, someone high up in the company says, we think that you'd be a really good fit for operations in the organization. And that took me out of security when I said, all right, I guess I'm not doing the security and policing thing anymore, because now I'm getting paid more than I would if I went into policing. And so there was the lure of the money that kept me in a space that I was like, well, I'm getting paid better, so I'll just stick stick with it here. And... Yeah, I ended up in operations and that led me into store management. I was running the store for a period of time. The Sears, Young and Dundas location downtown. I had over 400 employees. I was like 24 years old. Wow. And uh, then we, we this is kind of when we ended up moving to Alberta after I met my husband, met him at Sears. He was also undercover security, also going into policing. So that's where our our worlds collided. And... Um, ended up managing winners and HomeSense stores here in Western Canada when we moved out here. Left Sears, so I, I stayed very much in the world of, of corporate retail. And then it wasn't until I went into um, one of the largest pharmacy retail chains here in Canada um, as another career move back into the world of security, and that that was a three year whirlwind. Um, but it's interesting that that was the career that actually pushed me into entrepreneurship. Uh, so I think there's probably a whole story there, but I, my whole career path was this experience of complete and, and total misalignment. But I didn't have the tools to recognize why I felt like this wasn't it. I felt so dissatisfied after like three months in a new role. Which I would use that dissatisfaction to propel me into a new career opportunity or a new role opportunity, a new promotion, something to keep me stimulated enough and keep me sinking my teeth into something that I could stay tuned into my career until one day I couldn't anymore. I had gotten so far and I was like, I can't keep pushing myself this way for organizations that I don't align with, for goals that do not feel good within my own body, for somebody else's, you know, multi-million dollar payout at the end of the year. Uh, And I just had this thought one day, it's like, man, if I work this hard (laughs) for somebody else in a career that I don't even love, how hard could I work for my own dreams? And that was kind of a bit of a light bulb moment. That happened for me one day when I was up in northern Alberta in a hotel room. I was traveling all over the place, working on a presentation at like one o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? And that that was kind of a the beginning of things starting to shift for me to uh, start putting the, the puzzle pieces together to help me have clarity on the fact that the traditional workforce um, was a short-lived career mm-hmm. experience for me and I needed to do something different.
0: See, I had no idea that depth that you were in that, like that uh, loss prevention and all that kind of stuff. That's, oh, wow. Yeah. See, I love this. This is You get to learn so much about somebody. And now that all makes sense too, with your background and how you sort of ended up transitioning into what you do now. Mm-hmm. Were you, so during that time, you said that you were out of alignment. Did you, how did you feel that you're out of alignment or did you just realize that after you're like, Oh shit, like what was going on? Did you have any like physical things? Did yeah. anything like, did you, cause a lot of times people will kind of hit like that, that point. Well, they'll get sick or like, yeah. you know, the universe throws something in their face and they're like, wait a second. And, or, you know, they start doing the personal development work and then they realize, Oh shit, this isn't me at all. You know, what yeah. did that, what did that look like for you?
1: Yeah, I think it's a combination of all of those things. Uh, For me, it started uh, physically, uh, physiologically, I guess. The amount of inflammation that I was carrying in my body. um, I flew a lot in one of the final roles that I had in my career. And I was away from my home more than I was in my home. And um, there was a period of time for months on end that I was waking up at three o'clock in the morning on on Monday to get on a 5.30 a.m. flight out of Edmonton, to fly to Toronto to work in corporate for four days, land back in Edmonton Thursday night at 11, and then Friday would be my catch-up day to try and make sense of all of my administrative stuff and my role. Mm. And I would get off the plane, and I was like, dude, I wish you could have seen me back then. I was wearing pencil skirts uh pumps pantyhose like silk blouses with buttons i mean i was the definition of corporate and i would get off the plane get home and i would be like peeling these pantyhose off of me and i would have this like purple ring around my midsection where it was just slicing into my gut because i was so swollen Uh, so i was i had inflammation um, but the the thing that started to get really really difficult for me was the the anxiety that I would feel on Sundays and I would finally um you know come pouring into my home on a on a Thursday or a Friday and be like, oh my God And then usually we'd you know start you know, having drinks and hanging out with neighbors and bonfires and all that stuff. And I just feel like, oh, this, you know, numbing out. I don't want to deal with this feeling anymore. Only to have Sunday roll around uh. and punch me right in the gut. And I don't ever want to experience that feeling again, because what that would force me to do on Monday morning is feel like I was putting on this, like, figurative persona, this mask mask. Like, I, I put on my clothes, but it felt like I was putting on this other version of myself to just get through my workday and my work week. Only that, and then at the end, I would, like, take it all off, only to have to do it all over again. And it, it it just got to the point where emotionally I was strung out. And I am not an emotionally charged person. I'm very calm by nature. And I'm not someone who... uh experiences the emotion of of sadness a lot. Uh, I'm more of an anger person. <laughs> and the sadness, I couldn't stop crying. like I was just, I am like, this can't be it. This can't mm-hmm. be the way that I'm supposed to continue to experience my life. like if if it's this horrific for me to experience this on a weekly basis and just like rinse and repeat, then I don't want this. Like this, this can't be what we signed up for as as human beings, as adults, for this life experience. Things started to just they stopped making sense for me, and I'm I started asking questions. I'm like, who invented the forty-hour work week? And like, what even is that? And what is this concept of Monday to Friday? why eight hours why as an adult do i have to ask for time off like everything (laughs) it's like there was this this explosion of nothing making sense to me anymore and i'm someone with such a strong mindset that i'm like just buckle down and and put your head down and work and get through it i couldn't do it anymore Mm -hmm. um and so In, enter the world of personal development knowing I'm like, I got to do something. And therapy didn't seem like it was the right fit for me. So I went in, I found a coach and it was Preston Smiles. He was my very first coach oh, yeah. that I ever worked with. And I was in his program called Stretch 22. <laughs> Light bulb started going off. I was like, oh shit, like I'm living the wrong life and it's because I'm choosing to.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. And so that's where everything kind of started to to get put in motion uh, in a very tornadic way. But I feel like it needed to happen that way. It needed to be messy and raw and just completely haphazard in order to get me out of the cycle that I was in and push me into something new.
0: It's crazy how the system is designed and how, if again, like about questioning things, even something like that, you question the the system of, of going to work. People are like, You just do it. You just you just do it. This is the way it is. And you're like, wait a second. No, it's not. Why? Why is why? Like I'm miserable. I don't like this. Like we're like I'm making a a a little wage for somebody to get super rich. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense, but people buy into it. And then they wonder why they manifest this illness in their bodies because they're so out of connection to themselves and they're doing this thing just to live for the weekend and then mm-hmm. they dread their mondays just like you're saying and it's like it's such a sad repetitive thing that so many people go through and you must see it all the time like people get to that all the one, time like like what the fuck is going on here
1: like what are we doing and it's it's so surreal for me when i'm in the city now and my husband and i were just down at the Calgary stampede we stayed over uh, downtown calvary sunday night and so we're out on Monday morning, downtown Calgary, having breakfast just on a like a sidewalk patio. And the way that I observe things now versus when I was in that, that matrix style workforce, you, you see things so differently. And, and all I could see when I was sipping my coffee and eating my breakfast was people in this robotic emotionless completely unaware state they're just head down either briefcase in hand or cell phone in hand everybody's dressed the same you know the 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 dress pants and and the work shirt and nobody's smiling and it just makes me realize how big of an issue this is And, and just like you said we have accepted it because that's just what we were taught. And so, and this applies to, to so many things in our life. Challenging, why do I believe that this is right? Or why do I believe that this is the way? That was part of my process. Like, where did I even learn this? And at what point did I accept this as right or as truth for what is good for me and, and my life path? Unpacking that is such a process, and you know when I was when I was working with Preston, he asked me a, a question on a call, and so I was still in my corporate work corporate world, but recognizing that oh geez I feel like I'm in for a big disruption here, not knowing what that was going to look like. He asked me to explain myself or describe myself without mentioning my role in my family and my career. I couldn't (laughs) that was a wake-up call i was like who am i if i'm not a wife and this corporate title whatever it was that i was at the time that was an eye-opener for me and another another stage of that for me was was challenging what my definition of success was and you know we're taught As a society, that success means this like this assembly line of of checkpoints that we're supposed to experience or achieve as an adult in order to be seen as a successful person. The problem I'd done all of those, but I didn't feel successful. So so I I had the home, I had I had the 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 wedding and and I had the the fence around my yard and I had the career and I had the company car and I had paid vacation. I had an amazing benefits package. I had dental care. I had paid sick days. Like I had I had a pension, I had like a, a robust pension. And I was 30 years old. And I was like, I'm doing all the things. We had a dog. <laughs> like we're doing all the things. Well, why don't I feel successful? And I I call this my deathbed moment because I I fast forwarded my life to if, if this was it, and I look back on my life, could I say that I lived a successful life. And the answer was like a resounding no throughout my entire body. So the next question had to become, well, what would make me feel successful? If I could look back on my life and be like, I nailed that. Like that was a a life lived successfully. What would that look like? And all of a sudden these words like fun and time and laughter and fulfillment and joy, like all of those things, if I could experience more of those things in my life, could I say that I lived a successful life? And the answer was a resounding yes. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of put me at the crossroads of, well, what the heck do I do in order to create more of those experiences for myself so I can lead a a successful life that's on my terms? Because that definition could be totally different for the next person, but that's what it was for me. And so the challenge became, how do I make that happen? And so, you know, going back to your other question of of what were the things at play, was it physical experiences, physiological side effects, was it personal development, it was a combination of all of those things just crashing in within a very condensed period of time Hmm. um, to make it very, very glaringly obvious that I was continuing to choose a path that wasn't right for me simply because that's what was the most socially acceptable thing for me to do as a young adult. Hmm. And I was very much having a difficult time going against that grain knowing that I was risking things like approval and acceptance and understanding and mischaracterization and all of those different things simply because I wanted to have a different life because this one didn't make sense to me anymore.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think it's so important to kind of identify that for people because you know the feelings that you're having and and like the realizations because there's so many people that especially now are getting to that point in their lives which is why you know what you do is so important in inspiring people to want to think differently like that because I think a lot of people just kind of ignore that feeling when it comes to anything especially their jobs especially when it's they're doing something that they put time and money into and you have this people saying you just got to do it you just got to go doesn't matter about how you feel and all of that well look maybe sometimes you got to put your feelings aside and work hard but at the same time there's a price for being out of alignment and there's a time on the timeline where you got to say all right well you know who's living this life who's driving the ship And like, where do I want to be? Right. And I think it's important for people to know like, Hey, I'm there. That's where I'm at right now because, and, and I think if someone doesn't realize that, you know, where does all these illnesses come from? Where does all these things come from? They have to stem from something. And if you're Mm -hmm. doing things that you hate and you're out of alignment every single day, well, you can't expect things to unfold, you know, in a positive way all the time. Right. So. I just think it's so important to kind of paint that for people because you know so many people are stuck in that story.
1: I would say that it's the majority of yeah. people, like the extreme majority of people. And just like what you said, it's people just kind of accept that because they that's what they see everybody else doing. And so I take it as a huge responsibility uh, responsibility of mine to lead my life in a different way so that there is an alternative example that people can look to to say well she's not doing all of that and she's got a great life so maybe there's something to what she's doing and so i i don't take that responsibility lightly knowing that i'm literally being an example of an alternative way to live one's life and you know it, it can be really hard sometimes because you know, when, yeah, when you yeah. when you go against the grain and and you talk about things that aren't popular, you challenge the status quo on anything. S- specifically in the world of business, though, you get a lot of heat, and it it can be difficult to continue to stand really strong. Um, mm-hmm. But that's why I do is because I know that there are people watching, holding on to hope because they see me leading my life the way that i do and maybe that plants something in their mind that they can do it too and the i used to get this a lot from my friends like people in my life they be like why don't you just go to work and just shut it off come home at the end of the day be like a normal person i'm like i can't like i can't bless you if you can yeah and then i had people saying things like you know, I'm I'm just so grateful for the life that I have. Like, I I have a job and it's like, great. However, there is a fine line between being grateful for what you have and settling for what you have. And mm-hmm. that little dividing line there between those two things, I think that the majority of people are numb to the fact that they're actually settling and they are disguising it as gratitude. <laughs> Because that's easier for them to swallow, um, but I, I I think that if more people understood how to actually feel their way through life as opposed to think their way through life, mm-hmm. they would recognize that that's exactly what's happening. And that's been the game changer for me is is how do, how do I want to feel? What what does success actually mean to me? And what's going to make me feel good in my day to day life? And then having the courage to actually create a living that is based on how I want to feel yeah. as opposed to what logically makes sense. That's such a mind fuck for so many people because it goes against everything that we've been taught.
0: Yeah. So walk us through that process. So you, you decide to leave corporate. It takes a great deal of courage to do that, first of all. Like, mm-hmm. you must have taken a lot of backlash. Like, people... Mm-hmm. Everybody and their dog, what are you doing? Blah, 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 right? But like the fact that you did that
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the fact that anybody that takes that leap, t- it takes so much courage and it gives other people permission to do the same. You know, like talk us through. So you, you got into that. What was the first thing that you got into? And, and 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 just kind of speak to us about that journey because, you know, what was that like? Because I'm sure you failed a lot. You know, it's not all glamorous, and I love how you talk about this. Like, you're so you, you're so transparent, and that's what I love about you is that you just share everything, and it's like, fuck, this person's just the real human just going through it, and I think that's one of the best things you can do nowadays is just like, hey, this is, this is where I'm at. And, you know, speak to us about that a little bit because I think a lot of people will see you. Even when I saw you, I was like, man, she's got everything dialed in. She's got, you know... But then you realize you're like, well, she's human too. You know, a lot of, she's made a lot of mistakes, I'm sure too. But you know, when you, people just see someone for the first time as seeing them successful, the way you speak on stage, they're like maybe a little intimidated, but maybe speak to us a little bit about that process for you and like what you've struggled with along the way.
1: Yeah. I'm so glad you're bringing this up because I can't stress enough how important it is to recognize that every you know, successful person that you come across on social media, um, we, for whatever reason, tell ourselves a story that they snapped their finger, figured this out overnight. And when we when we put someone on a pedestal like that, when we experience our first failure, we start to wonder what's wrong with us. If If we're looking out on social media, being like, well, everyone else seems to have it all figured out. What the hell's wrong with me? It's like, no, none of us have it figured out. <laughs>
0: That's so true. I go through that so often, yeah, comparing to other people, even though I say, like, I'm not don't compare, but then I could pair
1: it's it's it's, <laughs> yeah. it's 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 a natural thing. it's it It's happening so fast in our mind when we when we observe somebody um that we don't even recognize that we're doing all these mini calculations in our brain when we're stumbling upon someone new and the story that we are creating about what this experience must have been because we thought a reel that they made and we're like, how do how do we come up with this entire person's life story and 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 created a, a character assessment of them based on a, a 30 second reel that we saw that you know intimidated the hell out of us and made us question our worth and all of these other things that start coming up. Yeah. And so I, I love sharing my my startup era because oh my God, I it's like nothing like what I'm doing now, but I had to go through all of that in order to land exactly where I am now doing what I do, which is the juiciest alignment that I've ever been in in my life. And so most would think that, oh, Sarah, you know, was so courageous and she just left her job and started a business out of thin air and she's been successful from day one. And all I did when I left corporate was recreate corporate hell just in the confines of my own home. And I, and I tricked myself that I'm like, I'm my own boss now and, you know, blah, 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 life on my terms. Meanwhile, I was um, imprisoned by my laptop. Mm-hmm. I was operating out of a complete state of fear because uh, not for the faint of heart to quit your job with no backup plan and immediately have to figure out how to produce income um, quickly. <laughs> because I didn't, I I wasn't someone who had a side hustle, who, you know, started creating something, be like, oh, I'm going to start building this up so that I have this thing to land on when I finally pull the plug. Uh, no, my health and my mental state in my corporate career got to the point where I couldn't function and I took a leave of absence and I was two weeks into my leave of absence and I, you know, b- basically laying on my couch <laughs> for two weeks trying to recover after two weeks, recognizing that I felt so totally different than I did when I was... in, I was like, there's no way I can go back to that environment. There's no way. And so my return to work, I think, was two weeks later. And I handed in my resignation notice and I'm not coming back. Like, there's... I can't do this. I can't willingly put myself back into this space that caused me so much harm. It can't be... <laughs> worse or better than just trusting myself to try something new and see what happens. And it's almost like the fear scale had to tip for me a little bit, where there was the fear of the unknown. and Is this going to work? Is, am I going to be able to make any money? Am I, am I going to be able to pay bills to, mm. I would way rather tackle those problems than put myself back in that situation. Mm. And so the fear of the unknown became more um, be- like a, a better path for me than to go back into the, the place that had caused me so much discomfort and pain. Uh, and so that's how I made my decision to jump into literally nothingness, no backup plan, no side hustle, and immediately have to figure out this whole world of online business that I had never had any experience with before.
0: So you yeah, I want to just touch on the fear of the unknown because that's such a that's that's such a line that I resonate with, even when it comes to like any of my experience even in plant medicine. It's like the trust the unknown. It's like the saying that you just need to embody because it's so true in entrepreneurship, because we get so used to wanting to have this predictability and this like uh, familiarity of like how it's going to be. And when you don't really know, it makes you uncomfortable. And it's easier to just cling on to the known world that you've done yesterday or the day before. And that right there to ab- embrace the fear of the unknown is the key. Like it's so important because you have that choice. Either think about yesterday and repeat. The safety of yesterday, the unknown, the familiar known, or the unknown. It's Mm -hmm. like those choices. And, man, it's tough, but it always seems to, the unknown always seems to work out.
1: Yes, because the unknown, if we actually get behind what the fear of the unknown is actually about, it's an uncertainty of whether or not we can trust ourselves in the unknown. Yes. And the unknown becomes a lot less scary when you're like whatever happens i trust myself to figure that out when the time comes yeah and so when you can land in that place of i got this you know there there really isn't a, if i if i looked at the evidence that my career had provided me with there was not a single problem or catastrophic explosion when it came to like staffing or or policy crisis or, you know, all sorts of crazy things that you deal with when you are leading hundreds of people across, you know, multi-million dollar budgets, like shit can hit the fan real quick. Mm-hmm. I figured out every single one of those problems. So why is that different when all of a sudden I'm choosing to just go at this on my own? And and that's just indicative of how conditioned we are, that we need to be reliant upon a system of some sort mm. to keep us safe and secure and that's a whole other can of worms is is recognizing that our, our safety and security is actually something that comes from within it's not something that we outsource but that's what the majority of people are doing is they're outsourcing their safety and security but what happens when that job is gone then you're just left with you again yeah right so yeah. If, if we're constantly outsourcing it and then being put in these positions well what happens if that thing's all of a sudden gone and and we haven't put the work into, how do I trust myself? Like, what work do I need to do? What coach do I need to hire? What program do I need to do? Whatever it is, what therapy do I need to experience? Uh, what What type of retreat do I need to go to in order to figure out how to tap into that power center that we have mm. so that, you know, people think that, you know, five years into entrepreneurship, you have everything all figured out. It's like, no, because as soon as you come up on this new level or this new challenge or this new thing you're launching, you're like back to square one all over again, new territory, haven't done that yet. This is unknown. And it's no different than day one for me leaving my job being like, well, I know how to make a Facebook group, so I guess we'll start there. And it's it's no different, like five, six years in now, it's like, well, <laughs> here's what I want to do now. Uh, how do I do this? Uh, what is this going to look like? Am I am I going to win? Is this going to flop? I don't know. But what I do know for sure is that if it doesn't work, it's going to be okay because I trust myself and I'll know how to navigate the situation. We can always go a different direction and that's okay. Um, and I think that's the, the key to a lot of my success is that I'm willing to go there because I trust that even if it doesn't work, that I'm going to be okay because I know that I can always course correct. And I will always trust. I'll bet on myself 100% of the time. And I think every entrepreneur needs to be in that space, that right. type of head space, and that type of heart space um, to be able to challenge themselves because they are going against the grain. People who choose to create their own thing, whether they're uh, building a brick and mortar business, whether they are are doing, uh, you know, crowdfunded, crowdfunded tech startup, whether they're uh, starting a coaching business or, or running retreats or, you know, doing speaking engagements. Um, we we all start from the same place and we're all met with the same challenges of, well, how do I do this? And do I trust myself even if I fail at this to figure out what's next? And if, if we can get more entrepreneurs to that place of recognizing that we have so much more within us than we even realize, then we'll have more entrepreneurs out there winning. If we have more entrepreneurs out there winning. Then we start to slowly over time tip the scales of what is considered a normal way to create a livelihood. And that's my hope for future entrepreneurs is that they don't have to go through such hell and personal development and introspection and all of this stuff to just bloody create their own business that they wanna run. Like it shouldn't have to be such a catastrophic upheaval in someone's life to leave the workforce and go out on their own. And so the more entrepreneurs that we can create The more that we start to normalize this so that when future generations are growing up and they're like, oh, oh, look at all these other people, how do I do what they're doing? They have, they've got a pretty good life. Why, why do I want to go, why would I want to go do all that other stuff that people are shoving down my throat if that's how I want to feel? So there's more of us embodying that and and showing that and living that out loud, then that's a service to other entrepreneurs to show that there is something else that's possible.
0: Yeah, because then you're just giving permission to other people because they see you and yeah. oh wait a minute they did that, you yeah. can do that too. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they need evidence.
0: They're like, I'm smarter than that person, and they did it, so why can't I? <laughs> you know, like that's
1: dude. You know, that's the majority of cases. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are looking, and they're they're mad as hell because they're like, I am way better at this thing that someone else is doing. <laughs> Yeah. but they're out there crushing it because they they're they just believe in themselves so fiercely yeah. and it's like well there's a sign right where do you need to work on your belief it's not necessarily that you need more skills sometimes that's the case but usually it comes down to why don't you believe that you can go out there and and create this thing that you want to do and instead of you know looking towards a, a business strategist like myself it's more about how do i figure out how to trust myself. And maybe it's a different type of coaching you need.
0: Well, let's dig into that. How does somebody learn how to trust themselves? Like, how does somebody get to that level where they wake up and they believe in the goal that they have? Like, they start a business. And why do some people not believe? Why do some people not trust in themselves?
1: There's There's a couple of things that I do from like a tangible exercise that people can take away. Um, There's also the reality of what's going on in our subconscious mind that we have absolutely no freaking idea what is at play there unless we have the tools or the support to be able to like mine our subconscious mind to understand what is actually wired together to make us believe what we believe and make the decisions that we make and take the actions that we take. There's so much at play behind the scenes in our brain that is outside of our scope of awareness unless we're intentionally going in to figure out what's at play that i i I don't i mean i know why this stuff isn't put in school but at the same time <laughs> at the same time imagine if it was like imagine if we didn't have to wait till we're almost 40 years old to realize that we have a subconscious mind and 95 percent of everything is derived from from that place in our brain and we don't even know so <laughs> there is that, um, you know, so working with people who are have, have those type of specialties or, you know, attending workshops or retreats, things of that nature where the, the focus really is what's going on beneath the surface of our conscious mind. I think that's really, really important. I work with a coach that supports me with that still today um, because as I achieve new levels in my business, there's blocks there that I don't even realize exist that my conscious brain is saying this is as far as you go, Sarah, and my because there's something subconsciously about, you know, what I feel I'm worth, what I feel I deserve, um, mm. what I feel I'm capable of. And and without being able to get in there and, and extract those things, those could block me no matter what type of strategy I use. And so there's there's that. But when it comes to what we're conscious of, what I like to do is it's, it's like accumulating evidence. And so if there's a, a belief system, yeah, maybe a popular one that a lot of my clients say to me is, they feel like they start things and then stop things all the time. So there's a, a belief that they're inconsistent and there's a belief that um, uh, they never see things through. There's a belief that as soon as something gets hard, then they bail. And that's the thing that is stopping them from believing that they can trust themselves past that point. And so. Step one is to gather all of the evidence that you've accumulated consciously in your life to disprove that belief system. Because if you actually go into every nook and cranny of your life and you look, well, where did you actually plow through um, something and actually achieve the thing that you wanted to do? There's always, there's always an example of that in our life. Make as make as big of a list as humanly possible to be like, okay. So clearly I am capable of doing these things because here's a list of evidence that I have to show this to myself. And that's great. But the next step is to then create opportunities for yourself to be put into the position to create more evidence. To show yourself that you can still actively um, defy this belief system that you have. And that just simply helps train your brain um, to show you that you can. And that this isn't this life-altering thing that is going to completely upheave every aspect of your existence. Like, oh, it's just a problem that I needed to solve. Or it's just this thing that I needed to overcome. I have this list of things that I've done in my life to prove that I've already done this a number of times. Now the 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 this, the this um, next action step that's going to challenge you even more is like, all right, put yourself in a position now to do it again. And... Then apply that same methodology to the dream that you're building or the business that you're launching, whatever it is, because all you're doing is dispelling a belief. That that's all it is. Once you give yourself that evidence, it's like you're you're creating this inventory of of, of evidence that that shows you that you can trust yourself it's just that our brains look at this level of self trust if we're going out on our own for the first time as this colossal undertaking that is a life or death experience that's the same feeling it triggers in a lot of people is this is this is life threatening for me to to go after my dream that's it's no different than someone you know diving off of a huge cliff into the ocean being like this is this could be life threatening for me to do this that's how we're seeing, going after our dreams. Like, this is a threat to my life. And if, if this doesn't go well, if I don't figure out how to land that dive, then my life might be over. That's what our brains are formulating when it comes to something, which now that I'm so many years into this, is as simple as just allowing yourself to do the things you want to do in life. That's what it all comes down to. Can you just allow yourself to create your business? <laughs> Can you just allow yourself to um, even admit how you want to feel, admit what you want to experience, admit what you want to do. Can you just let yourself do those things instead of seeing this as this cliff, this figurative cliff that we're jumping off of? That's what it felt like for me, leaving my corporate career. And now that I know what I know, I was like, that could have been such a smoother transition for me had I had all these tools back then. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, it's just, it's societal programming that we're up against mm. when it comes to just choosing a different way to create a livelihood and and even still today the amount of pushback i get from people because they see entrepreneurship as some horrible demonic selfish greedy thing because there's money and sales attached to it <laughs> and anybody who engages in those things is is for themselves and and you know there's there's just so much It's so sad for me to see this this programming run still so deep, especially after all we've been through in the last three years, how many people are still continuing to buy into the system of the workforce and um, the very finite number of options that people have to create a living for themselves, regardless of how they feel, regardless of the quality of their life, regardless of the quality of their relationships, how much time they have, how much control over the time that they actually have in their life or whether they're trapped by their own schedule because they've got to be somewhere at a certain time and trade their precious, precious time, which is a non-renewable commodity in our lives, for something that is renewable over and over again, abundant over and over again, which is money. Like it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah. The deep rooted scarcity program around money is fascinating to me because there's so much money out there to be made. So like there's so much out there, but it's like the majority are stuck under this cloud of like scarcity. And if Mm -hmm. you can rise above and just see that there's a lot of room up there, there's a lot, you know, there's room for everybody. And that's when I've seen from traveling around, you know, going from a, you know, place like to Miami where it's like, holy shit, people are just abundant here. Like it's, and it 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 like raises the ceiling because you hear about money being tough to make. It's, there's no money. Everybody's, you know, inflation and debt and all that stuff's happening. But it's like, there's still opportunity everywhere. And it's like, well, there's more opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And it's, and it's, but it's, it's, they don't want you to know that because mm-hmm. they want you to get stuck So that you become, you become, you just want your hand out. You just do your thing and you don't, don't say too much. Don't do too much. Just do it. And then, but you realize that's such bullshit. And there's so much opportunity out there. If you can get like what you're saying, get your mind and that belief system dialed in, Like do whatever you can to work through those beliefs, to change the program. Not yesterday's program, today. Like, today's a fresh start, you know? I
1: love that. I love that. Every day, we have that choice. Every moment, we have that choice of, what are we going to wake up and accept as our truth today? And what can we do about it? And that's our superpower. Yeah. And man, if more people understood that, we'd have a happier society, we'd have a richer society, we'd have definitely a less controlled society. Um, because people would be out there recognizing how much power they actually have and how much the quality of their life is a hundred percent dependent on the choices that they make. And, you know, people can either feel intimidated by that because it's like, whoo, that's a lot of responsibility or they can feel empowered by that when they realize like, Oh shit, like I get to choose that. I get, Oh, (laughs) and you have that epiphany where you're like, Oh. I actually have control over my life. Yeah. Um those are the people you'll you'll see start to make moves once once that clicks is is recognizing that they're at the wheel. And and it's it's hard to recognize that because the moment that we stop blaming other people for the quality of our life, um you know whether that's a maybe it's a relationship that someone's stuck in, maybe it's a place that you're living in that you can't stand, maybe it's a job that you're in Maybe it is uh, the government that you hate, and and, and you know they're putting our, their thumb on us so hard, which we know all too well here in Canada. It's like, yeah, that's happening for sure. Uh, what are you choosing to do about it, though?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And you know, be, being someone who looks at solutions on a daily basis, um, it is easier for me to navigate my life through so much darkness right now because I recognize that even though there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, I still decide the quality of my life every single day, and I will be damned if I let anybody interfere with that, mm-hmm. <laughs> whether that's the government or anyone else. Um, but it's also a big responsibility, and, and I understand why people shy away from it, because it means that it's on us. Yeah. And it's not my boss's fault anymore, right? Like, I The amount of times that I would blame my boss for how miserable I was when I was in my corporate world, I was like, it is it's so not his fault that yeah. I am choosing this life, you know? And yeah. and to <laughs> make that realization, um, I would say it's life-saving. That's a bold statement, but I would say it was life-saving for me to make that realization that I was the one that was creating <laughs> the shitstorm that I was living in.
0: Yeah. Got to take that power back. Okay, speak to us. I want to talk about MYM, monetize your mind. Break this down for us. Like walk us yeah. through this. I can't wait till your event. I can't wait. This is, it's so exciting. Walk us through this. And yeah, I want to, just for those that don't know about it, And like, what do you do? Thank how you. does it, and and I know you're very passionate about how people monetize. And there's some questions I I want to ask because I know that a lot of people leave money on the table, including myself. Yes. And I just, yeah, walk us through that a little bit.
1: Yeah, well, Monetize, first of all, thank you for giving me the space to share what I'm so passionate about. And a lot of it is derived from my own story. Because I know what it's like to live life in such a misaligned way. And I know what's required from a person in order to, you know, carve out a new path. And MYM was, um, it was just this like universal download, you know, when you get those like, oh my God, ideas in your head. <laughs> oh yeah. And it it just feels like, oh, okay, I got to move on this. And it, it, the, zero hesitation. I think we went from concept to launch in like 14 days or something. Like it, it was just something that was just like, we're moving on this. And it was um, really derived from the amount of pain that I was witnessing here in Canada uh, when it came to a lot of the mandates that people were facing in the workplace, and just the glaring problem that we have in society of how people don't know how to create money and how reliant people are on their job as their sole source of income, which made so many people very susceptible to coercion and and manipulation and pressure to do things that they may not have otherwise done and the root of that was that their livelihood was threatened and when i tell you that lit a fire in me i don't even think that does it justice because I'd be, i've been business coaching since i learned how to start online businesses as soon as i got my first business up and off the ground online uh, which all I did uh, was apply the MYM fundamentals without me realizing it back then. Of you know understanding what it is that I have to offer. That's that was my process when I left the corporate world. Of of well, what is what what can I bring to the marketplace? What can I help people with? What problems can I help people solve? And what are the skills I can bring to the table in order to uh, be of service to people? And and that's how I started my my very first business, which was very much around um leadership and 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 goals and things like that cuz that was my genius in the workforce that's how i built my teams i knew how to motivate my staff i knew how to drive results i knew how to execute goals it's like how do i help the average person do what i was doing to help my teams in the world of corporate and so um this, this fire that I had in me of, of, you know, helping people start businesses. I've been, I've been working with people in their digital businesses for years prior to, um you know, our world's going sideways on us. And in 2022, uh, 2021, 2022, it made me realize how small of a dent I had made with my work and, and how I clearly hadn't reached nearly uh, enough people if, if millions of people were were faced with you know having to make a choice that they didn't want to make because their livelihood was threatened and that's when you know one day all of a sudden the words monetize your mind came ushering into my brain from wherever place <laughs> these ideas come from and i wanted so badly to help people understand that they could create money and that they didn't have to sacrifice you know their their values or their moral compass in order to continue to create livelihoods for their families and so monetize your mind was created in that place and what ended up happening is we had a a lot of people coming into that space in order to learn the fundamentals of of how to get a business up off the ground but what what was also happening was business owners who already had businesses who also recognized that they were reliant on one stream of income in their business. And oh, geez, what if all of a sudden that gets obliterated? And that happened to me in 2020, because I'd been running events. And my events sector in my business was something I did on an annual basis. It was a a large source of revenue for the business that I had at the time. And all of a sudden it was gone i couldn't host events anymore and so the reality of what is our backup plan here guys all of a sudden came rushing to the forefront for new business owners and existing business owners alike to learn the skills of how to create money which which requires us to have a, an extreme paradigm shift because we're taught to earn money by trading our time in exchange for money and The term create money was never something I was taught. It was never something that I believed you could just poof out of thin air. Um, But that is the reality of money. When you understand the value that you can bring to the table and you understand the problem that that value is solving, you understand how to solve that for a person, you understand how to create a trustworthy brand. So that people actually stay tuned into what you're sharing and how and engage with you and, you know, have the sense of of community created around you. You understand how to market um, the solution that you're bringing to the table, meaning you know how to get people's attention um, to kind of air traffic control them into your brand and to land in your space. And you know how to how to sell with simplicity. Those are the fundamentals of the MYM, the monetize your mind um, process. And so my job the monetize your mind brand is to help people understand those foundational requirements of the concept of creating money because you're exchanging your value you're not trading your time and that is the big whoa factor for a lot of people once that kind of clicks and recognizing that there's an infinite number of ways that you can go about creating money but you have to understand what you're bringing to the table. And if you're already a business owner, you have to understand what other things you might be leaving on the table. Just like you said, where are you leaving money on the table? Where is your target market going under based on the skills that you have to offer? Um, Where is there potentially a new market that you can tap into based on the skills that you have to offer? Um, And so MYM really just encourages people to think outside the box, challenge their belief systems about the status quo, of our traditional workforce ways and and what we're taught about money, um, step into the, the reality of the fact that money is abundant and it can be created and there is enough for everyone over and over and over again. Um, that's what we do in that space. But the my favorite thing about MYM is that it's just this giant community of people with big, big hearts that are really passionate about the work that they do or the dream that they have, the thing that they're building. And the way that everybody supports one another, um, I feel like I'm just kind of the bonus <laughs> in that space with the, you know, strategic support that I provide to my clients and, and my members in the community from a how-to standpoint. Um, but, you know, going back to the subconscious stuff as well, uh, you know, knowing how much of that plays a role in um how how far we allow ourselves to go when it comes to creating our dreams. I have coaches that are embedded in the MYM space that specialize in that because I know that that is a foundational requirement for entrepreneurship is how do we get the blocks out of the way? How do we build the belief so that you are not an obstacle in your own dream? We have enough things in our way when it comes to creating a life on our terms. It's foolish if we are one of those things in our way. And so there's support there in that community to uh, help us get out of the way of our own path um, because our belief systems may not be serving us. And so what started out as this, um, you know, community that helped solve a very imminent problem in our society uh, has now just turned into this rapidly growing force here in Canada of a place for people to learn the foundational requirements of business. And I I use the word foundational requirements a lot, the fundamentals I use a lot because I'm not a fan of the bells and whistles, fast action, fast cash type of approach to business. I know that that works for a lot of people, but I'm a, I'm a teach a man how to fish principles kind of person where uh, I don't want to just give you a play-by-play on how you go out and execute that launch. I want you to understand How to actually do it yourself and what each of those things mean in your business so that seven years from now, 20 years from now, you can reapply the exact same principles, the foundations, the fundamentals, do it all over again and apply it to any type of business model you want. I want people to understand how to do this. I want people to become experts in it. So that they can continue to do it over time, regardless of how much they shift gears, which also supports people in the level of trust that they have for themselves, continuing to go into the unknown. They know how to do it. And that's what I want for people. Um, so it's it just turned into this really beautiful community that um, naturally turned into a mastermind. Um, and, you know, we've been so glued to our screens for the last several years. Um, and the, the community bonds that are in the MYM space are so, so thick that the next obvious route was an in-person event, which is happening in September. So what started out as a little business program idea to help people uh, learn the skill of creating money in a time where that was very, very, very needed, it's turned into this this monstrous <laughs> brand um, that has all of its all of these legs all of a sudden, and, and it's only been a year, which um, has been so amazing. And, you know, and I mentioned earlier on the call, there was a lot that I had to walk through in order to be where I am now, doing what I do now, um, in such alignment. Um, I've had a lot of businesses that I've run. Some of them have been awesome. Some of them have been have, have been horrific. Some of them I have failed at. Some of them have, um, you know, become a huge sense of pride for me. Uh, all of that experience is also um, what has given me that value add to be able to create a space like this because I know the path of the entrepreneur. I know what that looks like from from that moment of conception of the idea in the brain to actually executing it. Um, And that's probably one of my greatest joys now is watching people go ahead and do the same thing because they believe that they can and they've got the skills to do it.
0: Go big or go home, right? Yeah. Uh, I have a question for you about all of this that I noticed that you're very good at. And here's a personal kind of question for for my journey through this podcast world and building a brand is that I may have not been the best at really understanding what like nurturing a community and really like building that and like monetizing the best that I could have and all these things. And I look back and I'm like, shit, you know, and all I can do is kind of move forward and be like, okay, like, Community's everything. When I started, I didn't realize the value of it. Like I just Mm. I just had a podcast and I started it just to do all this stuff because I I just love doing it. And now I'm like, oh man, there's so many things that I could have maybe done. And so the question for you is like, say somebody's listening. And they 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 want to build community. Like they, they have a podcast, like maybe they want to write a book, they they have these ideas, but they don't really know how to best execute how to build that community from, you know, scratch, or maybe they haven't done the best job. Is there any advice that you could give to somebody about building community? Because I know you're great at this. I know Kid Carson's great at it. And you know, there's certain people that are just they're able to just build that almost like it's like it's like that cult-like following. It's like people just get excited and there's ways of like monetizing that and I've always been fascinated by that and I know that a lot of people are struggling with that. So if you could maybe speak to us about that a little bit.
1: I love this. Um, Yeah, a couple things come to mind as I look at my own process because even before MYM, even before entrepreneurship, if I'm being honest, this was just how I led this is this is also a skill that served me greatly in my corporate world as I was a team builder, and I could rally people something fierce. And um, if I if I kind of deconstruct what's at play there, because it is something that's so natural for me, I just do it. That's how I show up. It's not something that I have to put a lot of thought into. So I have to like deconstruct what's actually at play here. Um, number one. Uh, safety is huge when it comes to creating community. Mm-hmm. So the the space that we're creating, whether that space is simply your Instagram account or your social media account or um, you know maybe you have a Facebook group or uh, you know a, a, a super super loyal podcast listener base, whatever that that kind of physical space, I guess a digital space is for your community do people feel safe there? Do people feel safe? in their thoughts do people feel safe with their problems do people feel safe in the the bullshit of their own human experience uh do people feel as though they can be in your space uh without judgment or or ridicule or or shaming and things of that nature um meaning that when we are addressing opportunities for growth where people are being problematic in their own lives is is that is the focus on, on the solution instead of the problem. And, and I think that's a key factor in why people um, have that sense of safety in my space is because even if there is a problem that, you know, it falls under my realm and my skill set of being able to support someone with, can we keep the focus on the solution instead of harboring the weight of, oh my God, I got to fix this about myself. And if I look back at my corporate world, um, you know, it's, it's easy to point out all of the problems and things that your staff may be doing wrong and which is, you know, in turn creating more of a problem for you in your role. But that's also the fastest way to create a toxic work environment is to be that leader that's constantly focused on everything that's not going right. As opposed to, you know, acknowledging the fact that we've got problems, we're like, what are we doing about it? How do we how do we clear a path forward? How do we execute? How do we up the vibe? How do we have more fun? Um, and that's really what I do in my space. But you know, building a a trustworthy space is uh, an honor that I don't take lightly and I don't take for granted because to have trust from someone is so precious and knowing that that person trusts you not just to listen to what you're saying but they want to be tuned in to what you're doing and they want to be privy to what's going on in your world and they're excited for updates on the average thing Um that's the most beautiful thing about leadership and and that's what community is. it It takes a leader to step into that role and recognize that everything I'm doing on my feed is not for me. It's for the people that I know are tuning in. And I know a lot of personal brands can kind of get that a little bit misconstrued, where the focus is on how do i how do I position myself so that I am viewed a certain way? And I've went I've gone through this image management hell with myself in the past before I understood what was actually important here. It's like, oh, trying to control how other people view my brand is actually a futile thing for me to be focusing my time on. Because it doesn't matter what I try and make people think of me. They're going to think about me in the way that they perceive me. And there's not much I can do about that. So all I can do is be myself... And be willing to be mischaracterized, be willing to be misunderstood, be willing to be labeled with whatever things people want to slap on me and continue to just show up as me because that's what people trust. They know that when I'm sharing something, when I'm talking about something, they're like, she's being truthful right now because that fear of the label, the the misunderstanding, the mischaracterization, it's it's not a factor that controls my brand the way that it once did. Um, and so, you know, when, when we look at what it takes to build a trustworthy brand, um, it's things like authenticity. Like, can people actually feel as though this is me when they're on my social feed versus when they're meeting me at an event or running into me at the grocery store? Like, is it the same version of me that they're getting regardless? That's critical when it comes to building community. Um, uh, consistency is important and I don't mean consistency as in oh, you got to make sure you have three posts every day on your social feed I think that's a bunch of shit um, I think it's more important for people to be consistent with their message be consistent with what's important to them be consistent with their values be consistent in their communication be committed to showing up for the people that are waiting for you to show up with the solution um when i when I think about the word commitment, it's not commitment to my own dreams and values. That's not an issue for me. I'm committed to that. But am I as committed to showing up for my community as I am for my own dreams? That's a major factor mm. And, you know, whether or not people feel as though there's a sense of community. Um, can you highlight the gifts that are so abundant within the community when when there's business owners over here who who are providing this product or offering this service and people with this skill set or people over here in this part of the world, like, can 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 I be of service and connecting people and, and, you know, supporting other business owners, sharing, you know, the products that I'm using myself, whether I'm getting paid as an affiliate to share that product or not. If it's something that I love, can I share that out with people? Um, all of those things play a significant role in whether or not there's a, a trustworthy platform there, because without a trustworthy platform, there's no community. So it's it's less about how do I create a sense of community. It's, it's more about how do I create a trustworthy brand, a brand that people can really, really trust, because I think the community aspect of it comes um, after that fact. Right. And the community just happens a lot more naturally when it's a safe place, when it's a place that they can trust. They know that they're in good hands. They know they're receiving value. They know that they're learning new things. They know that they're they're better as a result of being in your space than had they not been. And if they can actually feel that and see that, be like, man, every time I'm on this Instagram profile, I find myself smiling or I find myself laughing or I'm learning something new or I'm just feeling really good or I really want to share something with one of my friends that I just saw in this. You're leaving someone better than when they were prior to them finding you. And, um, you know, you you hear the saying, how you do anything is how you do everything. And... (laughs) Even my husband and I, every time we we own a home and we leave it, we always leave it better than when we first um came into it. We'll we'll do landscaping, we'll do renovations, we'll always make it better than when um we first got there. And I that's the same thing that I do in my community. It's like I want people to be better as a result of coming into my space and better on their definition, whatever that looks like. Um, so if if I'm just constantly kind of being a a place where I'm focusing on problems or focusing on on the fear and the anger in our world and all those different types of things, I'm actually causing harm to yeah. the people in my space and I, I don't want to play that game. I went into that dark space Me too. in 2021 and it's I think a lot of us have to you know practice a lot of forgiveness for ourselves when we were in those spirals, but I, I very quickly realized I could feel it in my space. I'm like, oh, I'm bringing in a lot of really bad energy right now and I could feel that shift in my community. And I'm like, we gotta, we gotta shift gears here and, and get back to focusing on what's working, what's within our power, what can we do, how do we still have an awesome life, how do we, you know, become financially independent, how do we actually have fun when we're building our businesses and not confining ourselves to uh, you know, all of these societal roles and, and rules of what an entrepreneur is supposed to do. Um, so that's, that's to me how what's at play here behind the scenes when it comes to building community um i know it's a lot but if if someone could focus on just one thing it's like if you could look at your own space and be like okay if i just stumbled upon myself for the very first time i've never known myself before can we look at our profiles and and our energy and our presence without any bias be like would i trust me would i buy from me would i want to be a part of what i'm doing am i enticed by this at all am i getting any value of what i'm landing on and just kind of do a little bit of an audit. Uh, and if there's any room for opportunity there, be like, okay, cool. We have something to work with now. What can I um, start focusing on that's going to help people feel better in my space? And just start there.
0: So much gold there. Oh, Sarah, thank you so much. <laughs> I know we went way over, uh, <laughs> okay. I just, there was so much there. Is there anything else you'd like to leave the audience with or like that you like to mention, um, that, that we haven't spoke about that you want to leave everybody with? Oh
1: man. I just, I just want more people to live a better life. Like that, that's what this comes down to is a world's, a world is getting darker. There's no denying that, um, but I want more people to recognize that that does not need to be a reason why their own individual world has to get darker too. Um, you know, there's more problems in our society now than there have ever been before, which is a an all call for entrepreneurs and business owners to rise up in a big, big way because I'm a big believer that the um, fate of our economy here in Canada uh, really depends on the entrepreneurs and the business owners, not the government. And if more entrepreneurs and business owners can continue to rise, even though our world is really heavy, and recognize that there's a lot of problems out there, which means there's a lot of solutions that need to start coming to the table. There's a lot of leadership that is really, really required in our world right now. We need more people with big hearts to have more money within their within their possession because. When people with big hearts have more money, they do better things with it and can create more of an impact um, and help more people. And so I see my job as an entrepreneur as an as a huge responsibility as one entrepreneur in a sea of millions here in Canada um, to do whatever is within my power in a way that um, you know, is conducive with how I want to feel and the results that I want to help people produce it's a big job to, you know, be an example of of what life can be like, even when things are really, really dark. And if more people opt into that, uh, it's way, way, way more difficult for the darkness to continue to infiltrate our world. The darkness is infiltrating our world because there's not enough people standing in their strength. There's not enough people standing in their power. There's not enough people rooted in their value systems. There's not enough people who have enough, you know, freedom and independence and choice in their own lives, um, in order to withstand these hurricanes right now. And so, the more that we that we continue to lead um, unapologetically right now to inspire more people to rise up and and dare to go after their dream life, um, the better the entire world also becomes as a result. It, it starts with us as individuals, in order for us to impact the collective not the other way around. And that's, that's my opinion on that. I know there hmm. there may be people that may argue that the collective comes first. Um, I believe the individual comes first uh, because when we're strong and, and we're winning, um, we're in a better position to lead and support. Uh, and so that starts with us as entrepreneurs.
0: I love it. Amazing. Thank you so much, Sarah.
1: Thanks for having me, buddy. It's been awesome.
0: Thanks, everybody.